is March 7th, 2021, and you are listening to Sam Walking in the World, episode 50 and the season finale of my first season of Sam Walking in the World. The fastest growing podcast on all of Noel Top Terrace is always the thoughts of a guy who used to be unhappy, just trying to live like he wants to be when he dies. Very grateful to all of you, and as always, I'm thrilled as ever to hear you listening to the sound of my voice. Now, I want to just tell you up front, I didn't really categorize any of the stuff I'm going to talk about. I'm just going to kind of work my way through it. And um, this will probably be my last podcast for a while. I'm going to kind of take a little hiatus, but I never, you know, you never know. I might decide to just start doing it again, but I think 50 is a nice round number. And um, so if you don't hear from me in a little while, it doesn't mean I'm gone forever. It just means that I'm taking a little bit of a break before I begin season two, uh, maybe, you know, post-COVID. Anyway, uh, so here's some stuff that happened. First, I'm going to get to some stupid stuff because it builds up. It's been a little while, and these, these little things, I need someone to share them with. So I've chosen you. First, I bought new boots. Um, those boots that I, were, I was talking about and that I saw at Burlington Coat Factory, um, I didn't buy them because I didn't feel like waiting in line and looking at all the candy. <clears throat> so I... But I ended up finding myself back at the same Burlington store, and I bought them this time. And they're awesome. They're like Timberland kind of boots, but they're not Timberland. I think they're Bass brand. I remember Bass was very popular back in the day, like Aero Postal and Bass. And, um, I forget, there's another brand that looks like that. Not Gap, but anyway. Um, and so I got them, and they fit really nice. And I, and I went to lace them up really good to go for a hike, and I realized this. Why do they lace the boots backwards at the store? Like, it seems like they have the laces going in the eyelets over the top rather than out from under. Does anyone actually wear them that way? I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but it's impossible to tighten them. You have to, like, I don't even know. You have to, like, tighten them backwards. Maybe I'm just used to the way I was used to tighten my hockey skates. Um, and I know that boots kind of look cool if the bottom lace kind of runs up over the top of the laces and then goes in. I mean, this might sound nuts, but some of you might know what I'm talking about. But I had to like completely unlace both of them. And I was thinking maybe the reason why is because the person in charge of lacing the boots at the store isn't wearing them at the time. They're not like the way a person that would be wearing the boots would lace them. They're more like the person facing the person lacing the boots. And so they kind of lace them that way, and I think it ends up being backwards. I mean, I don't see why they would care, but it made it harder to try them on in the store and tighten them. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to buy these because I feel like they fit. And then they did. And I switched all the laces around. And now the, the they're leather. So have you ever had this problem where you lace them and they're nice and tight, except each time you tighten them, you have to tighten them a little bit more because the – the sides of the where the laces go are keep drawing closer and closer to each other. And then like eventually those two sides will be together and it will be impossible to tighten it anymore. Because that part that goes over the top of your foot, the left side and right side, they're right up against each other. And and, and I got I don't know what you do then. Maybe you, I don't know. I mean I figured the boots will shrink a little bit and then they'll pull back out apart. But I'm very close. I've only had the boots for like I don't know. Two weeks, and I think that um, they're already laced as tight as they can be. So maybe I'll have to wear bigger socks. I don't know. 
All right, that's too much. Um, <clears throat> uh, let me ask you this. Have you ever counted swimming as a shower? Apparently, I've been doing it too much lately. I used to do it in the summer all the time. I would go swimming, and i get out, and I'd be like, yeah, the chlorine cleaned me up. And I'm sure it does, but I don't know if it's the same as actually washing yourself with, like, an antibacterial soap. Um, swimming in a pool of everyone else's filth and then thinking that you're clean. I was doing it. I did it for, like, four straight days, and then I ended up getting a rash. Um, when I went to the doctor to get some kind of cream for it, it was, it was called a, a cutaneous abscess. It's a little like, I don't know, a little like sore, I guess. It's disgusting. But I just admitted to the, the uh, physician's assistant that was helping me at the urgent care. I was just like, you know what, I, I just haven't been showering lately. And she was like, well, we should probably shower. But yeah, I bet if I showered, I could avoid some of this. So I think I'm going to, at least during the winter, I'm going to stop counting uh, swimming as a shower. It only takes two seconds to shower anyway, and I love how I smell afterwards. But I have to use antibacterial soap. I was using Dove for a while. And Dove is nice. It makes your, like, skin soft and, like, around my ears. And I would rub it, like, in the sides of my nose. And my face was really soft. Apparently, it wasn't cleaning anything. So now I got to go with the hard stuff. Lever 2000. And uh, it really does work. And like two days of actually showering and using Lever 2000, um, my body is clean. Imagine that. Okay. Uh, speaking of bathrooms and shower type activities, uh, I don't want to, you know, gross anybody out here, but this occurred to me too. Uh, you ever be using a bathroom? In a, in a public place, like in a building, like in a, I don't know, a school or office or even at someone else's house. And um, you know there are people nearby outside the bathroom door. And I'm talking about going number one here. So you can imagine it. And um, and especially if you have, like, have to go really bad. You, you know, you drank your morning coffee and you got to go. But you know there's somebody within earshot of the door. And, and you got to pee. And maybe it's something nobody ever talks about, but did you ever, on purpose, try to not hit the actual water in the toilet because of how loud it would be? And maybe try to hit somewhere inside the toilet bowl, but not quite on the water. Maybe like on the on the shore of where the water is in the toilet to the side of the bowl so that you kind of dampen the sound a little bit. It takes accuracy. Um and I, I honestly have to admit that, that I do that. Like, I, I, I don't want someone outside to hear this steady, strong stream of urine going into the middle of the toilet. Water. Uh, a paranoia, I guess. I don't think I mind it when I'm outside and I hear it. I'm like, yeah, it's somebody peeing. But it just, just I don't know. It seems like I, I don't know. I try to avoid it. Bathrooms have killer acoustics, too, by the way. It's like amplified. And you come out, somebody make a comment like, oh, you have a lot to drink? Like, yep, that's why I peed really loud. Okay, moving on. Uh, I realize this, too, when it comes to my dog. I don't own any of my winter hats. They are not mine. And if I think of it that way, I feel like I'm in a healthier state of mind when they get destroyed. My dog loves them. 
loves them. Maybe because they have my sweat in them or they smell like me or they're on top of my head or she thinks I'll chase her, which I do sometimes just for fun when she takes them. But I, I don't own my own hats. My dog does. I just wear them during the day. And then, you know, I'll get them back from her after she's done with them. And we'll be chewed up a little bit. And eventually, I'll have to get rid of them because the band going around my head isn't elastic enough. But I realize that I go through probably about one hat a month. So I buy them really cheap. But anyway, that's that. Okay, uh, moving on. I don't want to be controversial about this, but it seems like my whole life, like February just happened and it was Black History Month. And um, my wife teaches third grade, so they do a bunch of, you know, activities on historical black figures. And um, okay, hold, hold on one second. I'm going to walk across the room. My dog wants to come in the glass door. Anyway, you coming in or not? Nope. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so I happen to be looking around some of her worksheets because I was chasing the dog around the coffee table in the living room, and there was, you know, my wife's stuff is all over the place. And um, I found a worksheet, and it was um, it was on George Washington Carver. Doesn't it seem like maybe it's time for George Washington Carver to not be the principal African American person? of note in history that we talk about. Like, it seems like the, it's like the tip of everyone's tongue when you say like historical black figures. Oh, George Washington Carver. And I mean, he was a great man and he did some incredible things with the peanut, but I just feel like it might be time to hang him up, you know, hang up the cleats. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but I feel like there's so many other important historical black figures, but for some reason, I don't understand why, but he's been hanging around in the top tier. And I mean, like I said, he's a great man, but I mean, maybe mix it up a little bit. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Because I don't know. Ask yourself, what, what, what percent of the time is the name George Washington Carver said outside of Black History Month? Like any other month but February. Does anyone ever talk about him? Maybe there is like a George Washington Carver fan club. They talk about them all year long. But, and I love peanuts. Don't get me wrong. But anyway, that's that. Um, okay, I want to talk about this. Uh, you ever hear people say, like, if they're driving or something, and they'll say, like, uh, they, they, they almost hit something, or somebody walks out in the road in front of them, and they're like, oh, my God, I didn't see you until the last second. People always say the last second. Like, oh, my God, I noticed that the last second. Like, I was thinking, isn't the last second always when you see something? Because it's the last second you stop counting seconds because then you see it. What it really means is when I looked, I was driving in there and then I looked and there was a guy standing there and I, I swerved around him. I saw him at the last second. I guess maybe if one more second then you would have hit him. I don't know. I don't know. Now that I'm saying it, it doesn't seem like it makes very much sense. Uh, all right. Now the dog wants to come in. I'm going to take a quick break, and I'll be back right after this. <coughs> Welcome back to Sam Walking in the World, season finale, episode 50. Um, and I, I want to say, just take a second to say thank you for those of you who are listening. Um, it's kind of nice to know at least somebody is listening. <laughs> and uh, um, I've really enjoyed 
the opportunity to be able to just vent all my stuff. And I want to say a special thanks to Milky for hanging in there with me. I know he likes what he does, but at the same time, he does it with a certain panache. And um, his technical skill is uh, top rate. So, but he'll be back with me. We're not making any staff changes. So, let me get to news. Um, COVID-related news. Uh, Texas and Mississippi have now opened up. They've, they've eased all restrictions, including mask mandates. So there are no state mask mandates in Texas or Mississippi. Well, Connecticut also loosened a lot of the regulations up, but they're still continuing with their mask mandate. And that basically means that businesses have to mandate that people wear masks or they can get cited by the, you know, whatever it is, health department or whatever. But the, the interesting thing about the fact that now that, say, for example, in Texas or Mississippi, that there's no state law demanding that businesses require masks. <clears throat> um, they, they're not able to blame their policy on the government anymore. You know, they're not able to say, hey, hey it isn't it isn't us. We, you know, we, we we want to be safe and all, but we have to do this. So you have please you have to wear a mask because. Well, without the state mask mandate, it's going to be up to the businesses because they're not going to be in fear of being cited. And so I have a feeling that the free market, as, as everyone is more and more and more vac- vaccinated, we're, we're reaching like, I don't know what, like two thirds, I think. Um, and I'll talk about Dr. Fauci later, who just continues to move the goalposts. He, he, he went from somebody that you could sort of, believe is is strictly speaking scientifically and medically to now he i mean he is an out and out political mouthpiece and like about it's like a bureaucratic mouthpiece but he comes with the authority of of the medical community which is odd and so i mean sometimes he'll say exactly the same thing that biden is saying and when you when you when he's interviewed and asked for specifics he just starts using political language not medical language and so <clears throat> i'm going to talk a little bit about that and kind of play uh, a series of sound bites going all the way back to last march of, of things he said about covid and what the cdc recommends and what he believes is important to, for for people to do and you'll see it kind of tracks over this arc that <clears throat> you can tell is is gradually increasing in its political influence, kind of, for lack of a better way to say it. But so anyway, I think the market is going to end up taking care of this because, say, there are competing stores and one of them loosens its mask mandate. Instead of saying, you know, you must wear a mask to be in here, it says masks keep us safe. The sign. I've noticed these signs have kind of artfully been changed. And and they'll say, you know, we recommend you wear a mask. But even in the grocery stores near me, I've said before, I've seen plenty of people walking in not wearing masks and they get checked out fine. They're not denied service. You get dirty looks. But I don't know if they're just being careless or if they've been vaccinated. But um, I noticed that there's there's sort of like an unspoken loosening. And what's going to happen is if one store, one grocery store, for example, does not require you to wear a mask and another store across the street does, 
I think if if all else is equal, people are going to start choosing. And unless they're the people that are the worried worried people, that think we should wear masks for the next fifty years. They'll go to the store that requires masks, and the people who have been vaccinated and believe that it's safe will go to the store that doesn't require masks. And the market will end up deciding whichever store ends up doing better business, the other one's going to have to respond. Just the same way that if prices, if, if a product is offered at a lower price in one place and people are going there to get it, people at the other place are going to have to lower their price in order to stay competitive. So I think freedom itself is going to play an important role in, in uh, let's say, expediting the opening process when it comes to wearing masks, which is a nice thing. Another benefit of a free market. Uh, okay. Um, before I get to Dr. Fauci, I have to, you know what? I'll do it first. I'll, I'll do the Fauci stuff first, and then I'll get to this uh, article from well, the Washington Post. Uh, Google is in trouble because they're not, uh, they're not hiring uh, black engineers, right? They're, the majority of their engineers are actually Asian, and uh, they're, they're, they're getting criticized by the historical black colleges, advocates for historical black colleges, that they're not hiring enough african-americans as engineers um and i'm going to talk a little bit about that but first fauci okay um anytime a person says when they're explaining something or they're asked a question they have to you know articulate a position and notice andrew cuomo does this all the time this is something you always hear politicians say at some point in their comment, they'll say, and as I have said since the beginning, as I have always said, as I have said many times before, since the beginning, I have said. And it's kind of a way of of like adding, like retrospectively ascribing consistency to your position. That way, given the new circumstances and changes in the in. In, in the reality, on the ground, in real time, they can claim that they were always on this page. And it's very, very rarely the case. When someone has to say, as I've said since the beginning, it means that they probably haven't been saying that since the beginning. But when I heard that from Fauci, I thought to myself, all right, this is definitely kind of a, a, a I don't know, like a, I don't know, a breaking point in his credibility. So um, first, before I do anything else, I'm going to play you a series um, uh, all together. It's probably going to take a couple minutes, but it's worth it, of Dr. Fauci. Um, and there's a bite in here also about the from the CDC director where she says schools ought to be able to be opened even if teachers are not vaccinated. And um, it just is so interesting to listen to how... Um, how his position has, as they say, evolved. Evolved. <laughs> anyway, all right. Here it is. Listen to it with me. So, Dr. Fauci, it's Saturday morning in America. People are waking up right now with real concerns about this. They want to go to malls and movies, maybe the gym as well. Should we be changing our habits? And if so, how? No, right now, at this moment, there is no need to change anything that you're doing on a day-by-day -day basis. This is I think last if you're March. a healthy young person, that there is no reason. If you 
you want to go on a cruise ship to go on a cruise ship. Personally, I would never go on a cruise ship because I don't like cruises. Man, I'm careful to talk about cruises. People should not be warned. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet. But it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. Folks are hearing now about double masking, wearing two masks, or trying to get one of those N95 medical grade masks. Do you believe that that's a you know, it, it, it likely does because, I mean, this is a physical covering to prevent uh, uh, droplets and virus to get in. So if you have a physical covering with one layer, you put another layer on, it just makes common sense that it likely would be more effective. And that's the reason why you see people either double masking or doing a version of an N95. Uh -huh. That schools can safely reopen, this and that the CDC reopening does not um, uh, suggest that teachers need to be vaccinated in order to reopen safely. <laughs> Given the science, are schools being too cautious? Do you think? And are there schools closed right now that should be open in person? You know, I mean, obviously, if it's a very difficult situation to get an absolute definitive answer what the what the cdc has tried to do is look at the risks that you have and try if you follow the cdc guidelines to get the children back in school does this sound like a doctor or a politician honestly by this point and it gets worse at least with hybrid and maybe even when you actually have a, an increased spacing with them that you can get it in what's called a decreased capacity. If you do the four or five things that the CDC recommends, the bottom line goal that I think people need to remember is that, and I've said this way before the CDC guidelines came out. Really? Really? That the default position is to do whatever you can, as best as you can, to get the children back to school with safety concerns for the children and for the teachers and the educational personnel. I wouldn't want to see a light switch go on and off with regard to restrictions, Jake. I would like to see as we get the level of virus in the community to a very low level, well, well below the 60 to 70,000 new infections somewhere, you know, I'll just pick a number, even though, you know, there's not a good model there yet, but I would say less than 10,000. All right, let's stop here for a second. What you hear in between Fauci's bites is uh, Ben Shapiro doing his impression of Dr. Fauci. It's so funny, I left it in. But, I mean, can you, can you track any kind of consistency in this message? And it's so laden now with bureaucratic political calculation that it's hard to imagine it. Um, it's hard to lend it the same kind of credibility. He almost sounds like Joe Biden when he's talking. Maybe even considerably less than that. And let's get it all the way down to zero. I mean, that's, that's what we should do. If we don't do that, we can never reopen. So we're never reopening. And then I can be on TV every single day. And there'll be prizes. And they'll talk about how important I am. And people will light food of candles to me. And um, people will call me sexy, even though I'm 80. <laughs>
I'll be back after this. Welcome back to Sam Walking in the World, episode 50. Oh, that was fun. Uh, okay, now, um, I don't know if you listened to the last episode, but in the last episode, I talked about how the contention is being made in the Oregon public school system that mathematics is racist, that white supremacy manifests itself in things such as um, requiring students to find only one correct answer to a math problem, or, for example, requiring students to show their work, quote, is uh, a manifestation of white supremacy. It's um, a, a form of bigotry. And that we need to, these teachers were given a handbook and they're made to take these micro classes in ethno-mathematics. And so um, I, I could honestly can't fathom it at all. And I was explaining how how mathematics at least serves as, as a common ground for anyone to, to compare things, to have discussion or debate. It, it, even if we disagree on everything else, we can at least agree that 2 plus 2 equals 4. Then we have some common ground. But I, I, I was talking about how this mode of thinking is eroding reality. If we end up eroding the fundamentals of reality, there, then nothing means anything. And, and I was saying how... You know, if you can have an alternate answer to a math problem, it doesn't have to be the one correct answer. Well, then you open the door to to having infinity answers, any answer, in which, in a sense, is no answer. And so, I'm just thinking about practically speaking, if a person was required to do mathematics to perform a job or program a computer, and it didn't matter what the answers were then airplanes would be falling out of the sky because the computers wouldn't be functioning properly because a number of the answers were allowed to be any answer, not the right answer. And so I was kind of stewing on it for a while, and then I saw this article in the Washington Post. I just want to read a little bit of this to you. This is, this is how it ends up um, affecting the real world. This article is in the Washington Post in the technology section. And the headline is Google's approach to historically black schools helps explain why there are few black engineers in big tech. And then the subtitle is the company tried to recruit engineers by partnering with HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities. Critics say the program exposed how the search giant fell short. So this is a critical of Google. This is how it goes. It's, it's written by someone named uh, Natasha Tiku. For years, Google's recruiting department used a college ranking system to set budgets and priorities for new hiring of engineers. Some schools such as Stanford University and MIT were predictably in the elite category, while state schools are institutions that churn out thousands of engineering Grads annually, such as Georgia Tech, were assigned to a Tier 1 or a Tier 2, quote. But one category of higher education was missing from the Google's ranking system, according to several current and former Google employees involved in recruitment. Despite the company's pledges to promote racial diversity, historically black colleges and universities, also known as HBCUs, 
that framework meant that those schools were at a lower priority for hiring, even though Google had said in 2014 that it wanted to partner with HBCUs as a way to recruit more minority talent. And like I said, right now, Google's, um, the majority of their engineers are actually Asian. I think it's like 52% or something like that. So keep this in mind as, as, as I read this, um, keep your mind on the idea that math doesn't matter. You don't have to have the right answer. We're, we're, we're considering um, a manifestation of white privilege to be expecting students of color to have the right answer. In lieu of a tier, Google's university programs recruiting division, responsible for forging partnerships with universities, labeled those colleges, quote, long tail schools in reference to the fact that it could take some time before they would produce a large number of graduates qualified to work at Google, according to Google employees. Quote, Google allocated resources so disparagingly because of how they tiered and thought of our schools, said former recruiter April Christina Curley, who helped lead Google's outreach to HBCUs for six years. Curley, who is black, said she was fired in September, largely as a result of continually raising concerns about bias against HBCU students in the interview and hiring process. Now, politically leaning, this is me talking, it doesn't really get much more left-leaning than Google. It doesn't get much more liberal and open-minded and woke than, liberal, than uh, Google. Except they also have a job to do, like a specific job in the world that requires outcomes that depend literally on mathematicians getting the right answer. Google for years has been celebrated as trying to fix Silicon Valley's racial gap with praise highlighting the company's effort to build relationships with HBCUs. But while Google had a head start, it also undervalued and underinvested in black engineering students at HBCUs. I'm not even sure what that means. According to interviews with Curly and seven current and former Google workers, HBCU graduates, formerly faculty members, emails, planning documents, and performance reviews. Some of the people spoke on condition of anonymity because they were not authorized to comment, and yet they commented. Now critics are challenging Google to address its treatment of HBCU students and to re-examine assumptions about the pipeline for black technical talent that were replicated across the industry as competitors copied Google's approach. So they're blaming Google for not hiring enough people of color in engineering positions. And and at the same time, about, I don't know, 500 miles north in Oregon, there is a, a growing movement to eliminate the expectation that students get the correct answer in math. Why am I, why am I bringing this up? Because it seems to be a growing trend that if uh, uh, an ability is not developed, Rather than trying to examine why that ability is not being developed, we eliminate the ability as a necessity for graduation or promotion in, in high schools and elementary schools. And we, and we move them on anyway and say, well, no, it's culturally insensitive to expect them to be able to gain that ability. And you tell me who's being racist. I said it before. Is it the teacher trying to teach the math? Or is it this movement that's trying to say math is racist. I mean, there seems to be that embedded in effort and not actually shining a light on what might be causing this problem. 
I'm telling you, in my own name, city school district for years, push them on, push them on, push them on. And then they get to, to, to community college and they have to take non-credit classes in order to do the, the work that they never finished in high school. And then they realize, oh, you actually have to do it. And then when you have to do it, you say, oh, I, I don't even have the workout thing to do this now because I've been moved on and moved on. And then uh, students of all colors. I see it all the time in this in this city school district. But, but to on one hand claim that it's racially insensitive, even white supremacist, to suggest that somebody gets the right answer in a math problem, and then at the same time lament the fact that there aren't enough people of color in engineering positions. I thought math didn't matter. It's, it's insane. And I was saying it's an erosion of reality. And, it, you know, it, it, I hate to use logic because I don't want to be racially insensitive, but if if there's such, if tolerance is the cardinal rule, which it seems to be in the woke community, if whatever it is is okay, no matter what, and it ought to be tolerated, and if you don't tolerate it, then you're intolerant. My question is, why is it there more tolerance for intolerance? Why can't that be an okay thing? Everything else seems to be okay, logical or illogical. And I was wondering, how do they even get, how do they even get to make an argument when argument is based on true/false statements and logic, which is based in math? Like that in that in that article I was reading in my previous episode, um, it talked about how uh, it, it called the need to have one correct answer in math. It, it said, "quote It was inexplicably false." That premise. So I'm thinking to myself, what do you mean by false? False as opposed to true? X as opposed to Y? Well, why can't it just be true then? Oh, because it's false? Well, when you make your argument to me about why it's false, remember that you're using logic, and logic um, doesn't exist. And planes will be dropping out of the sky. But I mean, honestly, it's it's really something that is getting out of control, and it it is the bigotry of low expectations. I say it all the time. Who's the, who are really the ones who don't believe people of color or any any group at all? Who who are the ones that really believe that they can't do it? Just to eliminate a, a, an ability, a, a, a knowledge set, or uh, a skill, eliminate it from 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 the realm of necessary because it's racially insensitive, which it isn't. Everybody knows it isn't. Now, everyone learns in different ways. And I, like I said, I spent 25 years teaching in this unnamed city school district, and I work with plenty of people of color and and just different kinds of people in all ways, disabilities, and everyone has their own way of learning. But, but the objective is still to learn, not to eliminate what must be learned because it hasn't been learned. So, I don't know, maybe I wait until my last episode to share all that <laughs> so vehemently because maybe I'm going to be canceled now. I hope not. But just to give you an idea of how ridiculous this is, I'm going to play something for you. Um, this is a teacher who made a TikTok, and she took the song, If You're Happy and You Know It, Clap Your Hands, and she changed it in a way that you better have a vomit bag ready because this is rich. It's unbelievable. If you don't believe that there is white privilege, please don't teach. 
If you don't believe that black lives matter, please don't teach. If you don't believe in systemic racism and how it negatively impacts our students of color, I don't want to help dismantle those systems, please don't teach. Now, do, do I even have to say anything? You ever, like, be digging through a drawer in your house and you find, like, a, a ball of string, an old ball of string or something, and it's all knotted up? And, and or, like, an old chain, an old necklace, something cheap, and it's all knotted up and kinked up, and it bothers you. Like, part of me, when I see that, I'm like, oh, I, I, I kind of want to take those knots out, un, untie those knots and, and straighten that out so maybe it could be used again. And I think of the effort it would take to undo all those knots. I think to myself, you know what? I really don't care enough about this string to do that. That kind of is how I feel about that TikTok. And with that, I have come to my end of this episode and of this season. Again, I am so grateful to all of you for listening to the sound of my voice. It has really been fun, and I won't be back for that long, I'm sure. But until then, take care. Everything is like constantly changing, constantly like evolving. A teacher and a hospitality worker in San Jose tonight, fully vaccinated and not quite sure what to think about information that comes out of the Center for Disease Control. They're always changing, right? So the only thing that I can say is just be informed, stay informed and um, do the best that you can. Their reaction comes after hearing this statement from CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that, that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick, um, and, and that it's not just in the clinical trials, but it's also in real-world data. The director is referring to a new CDC study of 4,000 frontline workers. Hey everybody, this is Sam walking in the world. Um, I'm actually in the world right now. Um, maybe that's why it sounds a little bit different. I don't have my microphone. Um, I just pulled over and I'm sitting in a parking lot uh, outside a church for not, no particular reason. It was just an open parking lot. But uh, I'll explain later. Um, it's the middle of a school day, but I'm not at school. Um, and I will explain that much later. Not much later, but a little bit later. But what I'm thinking about now is something I really wanted to stop and, and get out so I can put it away. And it's this. And um, it's, of course, like almost everything else, it's about COVID. Um, I'll get to more stuff later, but I, I have to talk about this first. And I, I guess I'll start by saying I always find it ironic. It is ironic when institutions in power, especially academic institutions, when, when academic institutions in power suggest that part of their mission is to encourage and inspire younger people to question their world, to speak truth to power, to stand up for things that are unjust, but they're saying it from a position where they are the powerful. 
Sometimes I wonder if they really mean it. It's like, I think they mean, um, go out there and, and stand up for what you believe is right. Change the world. Everyone says change the world. The world's pretty good. But in some cases, to change the world. Because without people doing that, um, the world will never change for the better. And and it takes... In the, in the moment, it appears like a person is just fl- flouting rules. But in retrospect, we celebrate those people because we have, as a collective, we end up coming to realize that that rule wasn't a good rule. And there's always that point in between where it is a good rule for a while and then it starts to not be a good rule, but people hang on to the rule for the sake of the rule. It's happened throughout history. And then eventually enough people push forward and, and stand against it, and then they take the arrows, and then everyone starts to go, when it becomes real in their life, everyone starts to go, wow, wait, do we actually need this rule? It amazes me how people will continue to follow rules. Like, I'll tell you a secret. When I'm on a road out in the middle of nowhere, and I'm at a crossroads where there's a light, and the light is red, and I can see as far as I can in all directions, I run the red light. Please don't tell the sheriff's department. But but making those kind of case-by-case decisions is important. Because we are individuals. Right? We're not groups. We're people. And when something is the right thing to do for a person, then it's the right thing to do. I guess it's just human nature because we're social creatures. We want to feel comfortable and approved of and accepted. But we go astray when we don't have that anchored to something that's real. It's not tethered to something that's true and real and good. Then you can have a group do just about anything. And because it's a group, they all seem to be okay with it because the person next to them is saying it's okay. And so, why am I telling you all this? What does it have to do with COVID? This. I feel like it's getting to the part now, like particularly with mask mandates. I think we're getting to the part now where people are... People rarely reflect. They say they do, but I don't know if they really do. They don't. They, people don't seem to reflect in a way where they gather some insight and then apply it to something in the future so they can avoid a mistake they made in the past. You know, maybe they'll be able to see the next one coming with what they've gathered from the past one. That's real reflecting. It's not, you know, just put it in a, 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 a closet and say, ah, I reflected. You have to use it. I, I should keep this in the eye. I should use it. And I do. But I think we're getting to the point now where people are beginning... Because people don't reflect much, they also don't project much. They don't think about where they're going to be in, say, four months. Where the reality of the world is going to be. The accepted reality. So many people are so f- consumed with that. Rather than what actually is. And 
they're starting, people are starting to see now, they're starting to project. And they're starting to realize that in four months, most likely, and God willing, everyone will have come to accept the fact that the vaccines work well enough for vaccinated people to not ever have to wear a mask. I mean, maybe like extreme cases if you're around super sick people, you know, people with a lot of underlying conditions or whatever. But normally in the world, people are going to be in a place where people don't wear masks. And definitely where vaccinated people don't wear masks. It's already happening. Today, just now, about an hour ago, I was at another uh, a place and another announcement was made that further opened the regulations, or lessened the regulations. And now we don't even have to wear masks while we're walking around. We don't have to when we're sitting now. That was the first thing. But you had to when you were walking around because COVID is smart. COVID is like um, like a, an, an eye watch. It knows your gestures. And if, if COVID knows that you're sitting... It's like, all right, all right, we got a deal. I promise I won't spread to anybody else while you're sitting. But if you stand up, all bets are off. So I guess whoever's back-channeling conversations with COVID have have reached a, a, a further understanding. And now COVID has agreed that even while you're walking, it's not going to um, infect anybody else or you're not going to get infected. I don't know who's having these conversations or where. I imagine them in some cave somewhere. And COVID is sitting there, probably tired, going, all right, all right, I understand this can't last forever. If you're walking around now, you can still wear one. I mean, you don't have to wear one. But not in schools. I'm sticking around in schools. Something's going to have to happen in order for me to not make all these people wear masks. Teachers have to wear them. Uh, students who are uh, almost statistically unable to be hurt badly from COVID and many of whom are vaccinated, they have to wear masks still. I got to hold on to something, man. And our negotiators like, okay, okay, all right. But you understand it can't last forever. Nothing new is going to change. You get that, right? The science isn't going to change. Um, you know, vaccinated people can't spread it and can't can't carry it in the statistical probability is practically zero and if they do it's practically zero that they die from it but i'm not just going away just like that i'm not going away just because it's right you know what i mean i'm not just going to admit that i'm i'm losing this you know what i mean i'm hanging on a little bit i don't want to just walk away i'm gonna look bad all this time, I had everybody scared, and now I'm just going to suddenly be like, oh, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. And here's what I think is happening. People are starting to project out about four months. And they're starting to think to themselves, do I want to be the person four months from now who four months ago oppressed or ostracized or criticized a vaccinated person for refusing to wear their mask when I now know that they never needed to once they were vaccinated to begin with. Do I want to be that guy? Because I'll be walking around without my mask on and my common knowledge will be that vaccinated people can't spread it. And nothing new changed. It wasn't like there was a new scientific discovery and it doesn't matter that more people were vaccinated. That's also part of the myth. If they're not vaccinated and you are, you cannot give it to them. 
That's going to be a reality. It, it, I should correct myself. It is a reality. But it's going to be the group accepted reality. And I guess that will give it more truth. The truth isn't enough. It needs a qualifier. It's got to be a truth that everyone agrees with. I'm sorry, that's not how truth works. Don't get me started on gender. But anyway, they're, they're, looking, they're thinking ahead and they're going, do I want to be the guy who fired that guy for not wearing a mask? When now I know they never needed to wear it to begin with. And I guess their only, their only um, justification four months from now, their only justification for having done that will be that they were following rules. Rules that they now know were unwarranted based on the science. Rather than fighting against the rule or trying to advance past it, advocating to drop it, they marched along with it. And I don't know what kind of person you are in your brain, but when my brain is forced to follow a lie, to wear a lie on my face that restricts my breathing and my talking for no scientific reason. It, it is like the kryptonite to my brain. And so I have a feeling this is the last straw. It's going to be people finally projecting ahead and saying, you know, I don't want to be that guy. I bet, and this is an extreme, extreme analogy, so please understand this. Take this with a grain of salt. But it must be the way, like, anti-abolitionists felt when they saw the Emancipation Proclamation coming. They knew that if they stayed on the wrong side of history, then they were going to be known as a, as a denier of it, as a kind of like an oppressor. And that the rules that they were following that allowed them to oppress people never made sense to begin with. And I, I, don't, I don't think people are going to want to be that person who has to look back and know that they didn't have the prescience to think for themselves. And there are going to be two groups of people. There are going to be. There may even still be people that pe people that hang on even further for some reason that you just can't understand. It's probably different for each person. For some people, it's probably control. Um, for some people, it's an, an opportunity to to hold sway over other people. For some people, they're just scared because we spent so long making them feel afraid of vaccinated people. And that whole can't be too careful thing is crap. As it turns out, you can be too careful. If you know what I mean. But anyway, now I'm getting upset. So with that, um, I'm going to end this segment and then I'll talk more about some other stuff. Um, and you will hear from me soon. But I got to tell you, it feels really good. I feel like I'm on the right side of this. And my life is good. Everything seems to be working out like it always does. Uh, according to God's plan. So with that, I'll let Milky have his say, and then I'll be back later. <laughs>